Well, hi, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Faith Greater Than Fear. My name is Mike Schrage. I get to serve here as president at GMPI, Good News Productions International in Joplin, Missouri. And since March, we have all been in a journey like none other. And as a result of the pandemic of COVID-19, we have had opportunities to talk to men and women of faith, both local, global. And today we have a good brother here locally by the name of Sergio Rizzo. Sergio, welcome. Hey, Mike. Thank you for having me and thoroughly appreciate the ministry of GMPI. And, and I've been inspired by these Faith Greater Than Fear segments as well. So thank you. Well, thank you. You look very dapper, as you always do, uh, in your home office there. Tell us a little bit about yourself and your family uh, so our audience can meet the rest of you. Sure. Um, so live in Joplin, Missouri, uh, work uh, from home with a faith-based group called Stadia Church Planting. You had Greg Nettle on a few months back, um, work and serve Stadia as the director of advancement. Um, been married, we'll be married 20 years in March, which is a big deal for us. We're making it. Um, and we have four, four little people that are not so little anymore. Uh, and so that's our family. Tell us a little bit about the church planting and what your perspective of how God has used COVID to help his purposes be accomplished. Yes. Um, so it's, uh, I, I think just philosophically speaking, like this is, this is the season of the church, right? Like this is, uh, and one of my tensions has been, what are we doing to, um, to minister to folks in this COVID season. Um, I, I have sensed that, um, that we are the most unified in the history of the world right now. And sometimes when I say that with people, they look at me and like, what do you mean? We've got you know, this crazy election cycle. We've got all of the tensions with, with race that's happening in our, our, our country that has actually spanned the globe in some ways. Um, we have a pandemic. And so when I say that, I mean like, we're not unified in, in the joy and then the happy things, but we're unified because for the first time in the history of the world, we are all, all experiencing the same pain at the same time, right? And if we're experiencing the same pain, we're also experiencing the same longing. And what is the longing? The longing is hope. And this is where the church, like, and the world is trying to answer that longing. They're trying to answer it with social justice movements. They're trying to answer it with elections. They're trying to answer it with entertainment. We also know in, in this season, um, things like alcohol abuse has gone up, um, things like addict, you know, porn addictions, like people are trying to answer that question of longing, which is where does hope come from? And I think that that is where the church comes in. Like we answer it through the gospel of Jesus Christ. So, uh, church planting has not slowed, at least in stadia land, because we've been virtual for nine years. And when everything went virtual. We actually stepped into it uh, because of God's providence and some things. And so we're, we're actually seeing uh, a digital church plant launch this week, which is wild to me, completely virtual. Um, and what is that going to look like? What is it? I don't know what it looks like, but um, I'm grateful that it's happening. The gospel will not be slowed. That's for sure. 
Well, we too at GMPI, for those, there, there are those upsides uh, to this uh, journey we're all in as humanity with the pandemic. And that is for us also in, in the digital era, like you're saying, it has only amplified and multiplied the ability to plant seed and to grow. Keep, and, keep us informed and for our audience, please go to Stadia. I'd like to hear more about this uh, digital church plant and how it continues to uh, have its vines and rootedness uh, grow in the kingdom. That's pretty awesome. What lessons has Jackie and Sergio been learning up until recently? We're going to get to that in a moment. Of You talked about COVID. You talked about the positives of a season and longing. What things are you learning as a family? What things have touched your heart, your spouse's heart hey congrats also for the 20 years almost yeah. what what do you what do you want to tell us you know um pandemic season has been hard for us it's uh, uh we all went virtual you know back in march or whatever it was excuse me and um we've got four kids and so we had four kids all at home on zoom I'm already on Zoom. Then Jackie, who works full time, was on Zoom. Uh, so learning how to share bandwidth, you know, it sounds like a little thing, but it's no little thing when you're, you know, trying to work and continue to, you know, make a living and trying to get kids. So uh, we've had to do a lot of sharing, um, and I think what I'm learning uh, is I, I don't. Um, I don't want to get back to normal. And that's something that God continues to reiterate to me. Where normal was, you know, four or five days, four or five nights a week, we we're at different activities. Um, we're, we're crossing paths. Um, we're all on our own screens. We're, um, and that's a big deal for me. That's, uh, and, and it, it's also been hard, like, um, my mom has had some health issues during this season. Um, our, our car was broken into during this season. We, we lost a family. And it sounds like we lost a family pet during this season. Um, and, and the family pet thing was really a heavy deal for our, for our kiddos. And so in the midst of all of that's happening, you know, we're, you're experiencing normal life stuff in a, not normal life. One of the things I heard said is that uh, COVID is the most significant thing that's happened to the world since World War II, right? But because I can't see your shrapnel, your bandages, um, I can't see other people's, you know, um, wounds. We just assume that we're all okay, but we're not. You know, we are, um, I, I say of myself, I am the lesser version of myself for sure. I'm a little bit more tired, which sometimes means I'm a little bit less patient, um, I'm a little bit more amped about things, you know? And so then you add on all the other things, like this is a real difficulty. So just learning that, I think that's the learning. The learning is perspective is, this is a very difficult season of life for the Rizzo family, but probably for the Shroggies in different ways. And for everybody who's watching, we, this is this is a hard season, and so I'm just learning perspective in a lot of ways. Well, 
when we left, we worked in Kenya for 20 years. And the, when you talk about pets, the three things they tell you in re-entry back into your home culture after significant decades, two decades for us, it's the three Ps, people, places, and pets mm. are the three big things that will help if you have your ability to transition and to say goodbye well to those three Ps, then you're going to be healthier and do well. So not discounting that at all. We totally get it uh, from our transitional coaching uh, time. Going back to the we're all together longing and all desiring hope and not wanting to go back to way it, the way it was. I like that. We, we found a more value to slow down, to appreciate family, to engaging community. Um, in the community conversation, you have been very instrumental in our Joplin area in some things that have happened. And you mentioned it earlier on, uh, one of the things was in, during this election cycle, but also in the, the racial conversations that have been happening. Talk to us a little bit about how come and why now? And how can God take and redemptively use COVID and that conversation and probably get even more real estate kingdom-wise accomplished? Yes. Hopefully. Thank you for uh, being willing to even have that conversation, Mike. I appreciate it a bunch. Um, you know, one of the things that I realized um, back when Mr. Floyd's situation happened is uh, it, it was responded to radically different than other instances like that had happened. And I asked myself why. Um, and I don't know if, you know, this is my anecdotal response, the, the answers to the why. Why was it responded to differently? One, um, I think we, we, we had nothing other, we could do nothing else but, but watch and, and focus. We didn't have a church, activities to distract us. We didn't have sports activities to distract us. We didn't have work activities to distract us. And so there was something about the focus that I think caused us to say, what just happened? I think the other part of it was, it doesn't matter what you thought about him personally, um, eight minutes and 40 some seconds is, is hard to stomach. And so the compassion in us, the, the mercy, the justice in us all rose. And so collectively, it was, it was really a neat thing to see us all respond in unison. Uh, that's not right. That can't happen. And so in Joplin, you know, I was able to help coordinate some things. Uh, we, we submitted to the city council. Um, uh, a proclamation for the first time in our history that is talking about everybody in Joplin belongs in Joplin, right? And I think this is something that the church has long um, uh, been an example of, right? Like we have these sayings, you can belong before you believe, right? So you can come into this place and you can be here. Like, and I think that I would love to see that as a city, like you can belong before you believe, like if you're in Joplin, you belong in Joplin. You don't have to believe like me. You don't have to think like me. Um, I'd love to see Joplin be an example of that to the rest of the country. I think we have the unique ability to do it. Um, so was a part of that and was a part of a silent solidarity walk. Um, and one of the things that I'm really pressed with with regard to the conversation of, of race 
and the church is um, we have a far better answer than 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 mere justice, right? Like um, I think his name is uh, Niebuhr. He uh, and I'm going to butcher the quote, but he says if 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 we merely seek justice for justice sake, justice will soon lose itself. Justice needs to be saved by something greater than itself. And the response to that is namely love. Like, right. That is the balance of justice. And so, and that is the, that, that is, you know, for God so loved the world, he sent his one and only son for the world. It's out of love. So I, I, I am, that I, I think the, the church has an opportunity here to step into some things. And, um, and I look forward to seeing what that looks like. Um, and I, I'd love to see us lead it, not just respond to it. So that's what's one of the things I've been involved here in, in our local community. Um, I have, you know, for the greater part of 20 years, done different variations of, of conversations around race and ethnicity and how do we, um, together so I have a, a son until recently was in law enforcement and uh, one of the things I told him every day a follower of Jesus I said you get to be almost like a little Jesus we all are in a sense but at every stop he has to make a choice between justice and mercy mm-hmm. but the overarching between a justice and mercy element is love to your point that both levers are operated by our father who is love and does them motivated by love and so i love love your voice have loved what you've tried to do in that and i really appreciated the focus you said that why it was more i hadn't really thought about that that we hadn't had our lives filled with all the other distractions so it really screamed at our attention and um Boy, I hope we don't lose that. And let us as the church continue to be the forerunners and in that message, along with the earlier one you said about hope and longing. For the time we have left, my good brother, something happened in your family more important than losing a pet. Would you mind unpacking that for our audience a little bit and how that affected your family's perception on COVID? Thank you, Mike. Yeah. So two weeks ago, um, our, our 16 year old was in an accident. Um, and it's the kind of call, um, every parent, you know, dreads. So Jackie was in the back room. I was in the the living room and, uh, she came into, um, the living room kind of doing the motions of go grab the keys. Go, um, and I, I, I can smile now. It wasn't, you know, it was pretty, pretty intense there for a little bit, but, uh, the, the young officer who had called Jackie, um, is probably still growing in some of his bedside manner. And so Jackie answers the call is, uh, is this Mrs. Rizzo? Jack says, yes. And he says, um, your son has been in a tragic car accident to which immediately she was gone. So by the time she walks in the living room, that's already, you know, her, her mom heart is, is gone. So Josiah uh, was in a car accident. He was coming home. It was about 10 o'clock Friday night. Uh, we learned the next day because of a news story uh, that he, uh, it's estimated that he, he rolled 12 to 15 times. 
from the start of the accident to where he ended, he he traveled 240 feet rolling in his uh, in his Saturn view. And uh, initially, we thought it was going to be most <clears throat> of situations on the phone. The officer was anticipating a couple broken arms and a broken leg, uh, not including uh, internal damages and stuff like that. Um, when we got to the hospital, um, we it was about 20 minutes before they let us go back. Uh, finally, they let one of us go back, you know, COVID era. So I get to go back and uh, walk into the, the trauma room and I hear him talking, which was an incredible blessing for me because I was anticipating the worst. And uh, he couldn't open his eyes because his face was swollen shut. But he was responding to, uh, there was actually an officer in there asking him what happened. And so what happened was he was driving home, which I am so impressed with him as a young man. He's 16 years old. Um, he puts his phone in his console because he doesn't want to get distracted by it. So um, I didn't know that he did that. I learned that through this accident. Um, and so he's driving home 10 o'clock at night and there. Um, the witnesses that were there said that there was a white truck weaving in and out of traffic and they estimated probably going somewhere around 100 miles an hour. Uh, that stretch of the highway is 70 miles an hour and he, this person's zooming in and out. So Josiah is telling the officer with his eyes shut while they're ultrasounding his, his abdomen for internal stuff, um, what had happened and he said, this truck came over into his lane and, and clipped the front of his car. That spun Josiah, which the spinning turned into a roll. Um, so, you know, we went from tragic car accident, you know, we were pretty, pretty amped as parents. I get back there and he's talking, oh, praise God. So we're, we're not, not so, so amped. I'm not so amped anymore. Uh, to about an hour and a half in. Uh, they have to do some more scans. Um, and I don't know if it was timing or however these things happened, but his neck began to swell. And so they sent him back for some scans. That's where they found that he had a broken rib. He had some lung abrasions is what they call it. And just bruising of the lungs. And his neck is, is, is swelling. Um, the surgeon that's in the room says, is, is his neck normal? Because we were back there with him. And we, Jack and I, at that time, we're now both back and, uh, and asked us if his neck was normal size. And we're like, that is not normal. He's a little guy. He's super thin. Um, and his neck was the size of his chin, you know, is Adam's apple. And so then we went to really serious. And so the surgeon says, we, we're going to have to make sure that airway stays clear. Uh, they intubate them, they take them to the next level of care, and uh, and then we end up at Children's Mercy in Kansas City, and they like light them there. So here's the crazy thing. Um, I was certain that the airbags helped save him. I was certain that, um, you know, the seatbelt helped save him. I was certain of all these things. A couple of days later, when Jackie goes to um, to the car and looks at it, um, none of the airbags went off. And you look at this vehicle that is just, uh, it's like a, 
taking a piece of tin foil and you know aluminum foil and wrapping it into a ball. Uh, and she got this one picture of the, the driver's seat. And the driver's seat is almost untouched, right? Um, and you just recognize that God is so much more in control of every minute aspect of our lives. Um, and that's been what we've been wrestling with here the last couple of weeks is just God is in control. The thank you for sharing that journey um, with her, our listeners. How did that up and down and now a couple of weeks temper the concerns of somebody wearing a mask and not wearing a mask? Temper six foot or not six foot in the Rizzo family? Yes. So that was the week of the election. And Brother Mike, I'm embarrassed to say, I was losing sleep over the election. I was losing sleep about who was gonna be the next president, who was gonna be in, in the house at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. I was losing sleep at how we were treating one another. I was, yeah, I was really not in, not in a good emotional space. And about 2, 2 a.m., um, it would have been 2 a.m. Monday morning. So the accident happened Friday, 2 a.m. Sunday morning. Josiah had been extubated, which is a miracle in itself. Uh, within 24 hours, he was off the ventilator. Um, he spent one day, uh, one, one more day in the pediatric intensive care unit, and then he was on a normal floor. But it was 2 a.m. in that pediatric intensive care unit he and I are talking and he's talking about the, the fireman who happened to be in a car behind him who helped him get out of his car. And he's um, talking about the experience of rolling and he's talking that he's and what happened for me was um, two things. I was immensely filled with gratitude. And what's interesting about this gratitude for me, it's different. It wasn't gratitude because of the outcome. Um, and I, I'm wrestling with this internally. Um, had the outcome been different, had my son gone to be with the Lord, I'm actually convinced that I would have had the same gratitude. It was the gratitude that, um, that God is with us. God is with me. God is like, he's, he's, he's present among all of these things. Um, and so that was very clear. And then it was this aspect of the tens of millions of people that fill all the other houses and addresses are so much more powerful than the one person who is at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. And what we, what we felt that was hundreds of text messages, dozens of phone calls, emails, literally within a few hours, people were sending us Grubhub, uh, cash apping us. They were, 
And I just thought the, the church is a force of love that the world will have to reckon itself to. And the perspective that I've gained from this is that's a really important place and address over there in Washington. But the, the Shragi home and the Rizzo home and the hundreds of people that go out to College Heights Christian Church's home and the tens of millions of friends, the hundreds and thousands of people who are going to be affected by GMPI, those homes are so much more powerful because we are we are moved by the love and the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so that's been something that I've been really learning through this is that I don't want to go, when I talk about at the beginning of this, I don't want to go back to normal. No, part of me normal was I'd get home at the end of the day and I'd sit on my phone and my kids would each be on their phones. I don't want to do that anymore. I want to take every, not just every thought captive, but every moment captive, right? Like, I know I'm going to get to spend eternity with this young man. I look forward to that. But the next four years that I have with him, man, I don't want to miss a moment of it. And so normal for me, yeah, I don't want to do normal. I, I, want, to, I want to live. And I think that's what God is calling us to, to live into. Live into these times. Like be present. Present for your neighbor who is not, like, what are we going to do about Thanksgiving? Like mass, no mass, six feet. Like if we're concerned about those things, we are we we have forgotten the priorities here. You know, um, I don't know if that answers. That's where that's where I've been. So this is somewhat therapeutic for me to just be able to speak it. Thank you, brother. Oh. <laughs> While you're having the therapeutic, we are having the insights that we have gained from a man who's gone on a journey. And what I guess I hear are several things as we wire up. Number one is gratitude. Number two, live in the moment. Number three, don't go back to the old normal. Make a new normal for yourselves. Number four is that love is very powerful outside your life and your community, regardless of who, what, and how we decide, uh, decide who is in power, you know, and the conversations that are still there about injustice and about racial equity still exist. And the church and those who have love in the church will be the most powerful thing to have the world to still deal with. And so let us not be anxious to get on the other side of COVID. Let us relish the journey as what I'm hearing Sergio Rizzo say today. And so thank you, my good brother. Have a good day. And for all of you, thank you for tuning in and listening to our brother's story and journey. I'm sure it touched you like it has touched me. And if so, share it on your social media channels. We have a podcast version as well. And so for my brother Sergio and myself, blessings to you and have a great day as you live your faith and let it be greater than your fear. Thank you, Sergio. Bye-bye to all of you.